Hello there, everyone, and welcome back to the Showing Up to Your Life podcast and YouTube channel. Art Burns here, you there. <laughs> I'm really excited to, to be doing this with you today. That that line is actually not my own. That that comes from an old radio host uh, back in New York, an overnight uh, sports radio host. He, he used to call himself Captain Midnight. Steve Summers is his name. <laughs> he was a great, funny, funny guy. Uh, the schmooze, he used to call himself, um, which is a, you know, kind of a, I think it's a Yiddish-inspired word to just, you know, kind of, you know, when you schmooze, you just have a little chat, you know, and that's what he did all night, Steve the Schmooze Summers. Uh, so he would inter intro into all of his uh, radio shows, Steve Summers here, you there, <laughs> and let's get on with the show, something like that. But anyway, <laughs> I hope you enjoy that. Um, so I'm happy to be here with you, as I always am, and um, and I'm excited to share today. You know, every day I look at my notes and I see, okay, what am I going to talk about today on my podcast? <laughs> it's so exciting. Um, and so today I want to talk about how, you know, so many times when we talk about the, you know, when I talk here on the on the podcast and YouTube channel about all the different benefits that we get from practicing mindfulness, you know, most of the time we're talking about, you know, the benefits in terms of how mindfulness and meditation can, you know, can can eliminate something that is negative in our lives, right? Something that we're trying to fix. Right? And so what I mean, things like stress and things like anger management and things like um, emotional intelligence, even that, you know, it's a very positive concept, emotional intelligence, right? You get to connect to people, you, you have more empathy, you have more self, uh, self-regulation, you know, it's really good stuff, right? right? And it's all about like understanding, right? So that's a positive thing. But most people approach it like I need more emotional intelligence because I'm suffering at my job or because I can't handle, you know, emotional situations with my family or whatever it is. So, so it's always this thing that we're looking at as something that is going to fix something that's wrong in our lives. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? There's nothing wrong with that. If you're suffering, then you know your your natural, um, you know your natural impulse, and really your your responsibility to yourself and to everyone else around you is to bring an end to that suffering, right? So so there's nothing wrong with with trying to repair the things in our lives that are you know that are causing us to suffer, and and mindfulness and meditation can absolutely, you know, do that. <laughs> it can really address many of the things that make us suffer in our lives. So so that's, it's, it makes sense that that's the way we do it. But there's a whole other half of everything here, right? That there's the half of things that, like, aside from just the things that might be, you know, like, like how meditation and mindfulness might fix the things that are, you know, causing you to suffer, well, think about how they can improve the things that aren't involved in suffering too. And that's what I want to talk about today. Because, you know, it doesn't get talked about enough. <laughs> it really doesn't. Um, and so the other day while I was, you know, sitting in my office and, you know, that's that's how I keep this notebook with me everywhere I go. And and, uh, and that's where, and, and this pen, <laughs> these things to go like as, as much or more than my wallet, right? <laughs> these things go wherever I go. And so, um, and so, you know, so oftentimes an ideal just pop into my head, like while I'm working or something, and I'll, I'll jot it down real quick and be like, yeah, that's what I'm going to talk about next week. I got to put that in rotation for the podcast. That's how the, the process works for me, just so you, you get an idea of that. Um, not that you asked or anything, but I just thought I'd offer it. Um, and so so when we when we talk about though, like, uh, anyway, sorry, I digress. <laughs> I was sitting in my office and I, ta- and I thought about the fact that, you know, I have 
in my life now over the last, you know, three, four years, something like that, I have developed a number of hobbies. And they're wonderful hobbies, and I love my hobbies. They're really awesome, and they have nothing to do with improving myself in any kind of way. You know, I've I've done things like journaling, I've done things like meditation. I've done you know, and these things become somewhat kind of hobbyish, right? Like they're they're something that we do because we enjoy it and we love it. I mean, obviously for me, you know, mindfulness and meditation have become my life. You know, I teach it to other people, and <laughs> there's no mistake there, right? I, I realized how powerful this was for me. And so I was inspired by that to, to dedicate myself to teaching it to others. And so that there's no mistake there. Okay. Um, but, but yet, you know, there, there have been these hobbies that have come up, you know, uh, a long time, you know, four years ago, maybe I started riding a bicycle pretty avidly. Now I had been a bicycle rider, you know, in my youth, you know, I was a New York City bike messenger for a couple of years. So, I mean, I'm, I was always in a very avid uh, bicycle rider, but I had lost touch with it, you know, and, and now I regain that, that passion and I, and I ride my bike regularly out here. This winter, I was a little, uh, <laughs> I was very busy and a little lazy and I didn't ride a lot this winter, but up until this winter, even in, you know, unless it was like, even sometimes when I had to get somewhere, I, I would, you know, uh, I, I lived without a car here in Denver for, for two years. And so, so in those winters, if I had somewhere to go, no matter what the weather was, <laughs> I was riding my bike and I loved it. You know, it was like kind of part of the hobby and part of the fun, you know, it was awesome, you know, but, but the thing is, and I guess what I'm really trying to get at here is that, you know, my life for so long, Right back when I was working in advertising and back when I was, you know, struggling with the, the incredibly high levels of stress that I used to struggle with. And, and just, you know, just really, I mean, and when I say struggle, I mean struggle, you know, I was, my gosh, my, my stress used to be so, so horrible. I mean, it was, you know, just, you know, I, I, I've told you the story here before, but like I hardly ever slept. I was, I was a hundred pounds overweight. I was, you know, drinking all the time. I was a terrible you know, functioning, but, but a, a high functioning alcoholic. Um, you know, all these things are going on. I smoked cigarettes. I smoked like a pack and a half a day of cigarettes. And, and you know, God, it just when I think back on how I used to live, it was it's scary, you know, and it was all in response to the, the, the big, big stress that I was feeling that was mostly tied to my, my job, you know, that that's mostly where it came from, you know, and, um, and anyway, so so during those days, during those many, many years, I mean, you're talking 20 years of time, maybe 30 years of time, you know, I didn't have any hobbies, <laughs> right? And and back then, you know, when I look back, I, I was talking to a, a colleague, uh, another mindfulness uh, teacher, uh, who also happens to be a cardiologist, and I'm hoping to have him on my other podcast soon, uh, so you'll get to meet him, but Dr. Fisher... Um, he uh, he mentioned at one point when we were talking that, you know, and it really resonated with me. I never, never thought of it this way before, but this is exactly what was happening to me, is that, you know, I had this sort of, um, this posture, you know, vis-a-vis -vis my life, this sort of approach to my life, that it was just to get through. You know, that every day, 
you know, the, the only thing that I needed to do every day was just to get to the end of the day and survive it, basically. Now, of course, I was in very, you know, high levels of chronic stress. And so so my body was physically in the survival mode for, for all those years, right? Like, that's, that's a real physical thing that was happening. But, but, you know, just in terms of my emotions and my psychology, you know, I, I just wanted to just get through it. And, of course, when, you, when you're just trying to get through the days right? Then you're really just trying to get through the years too. You know, it all, it all becomes just that, that sort of pattern, right? And so, so when you live day by day by day with just this, this feeling like, ah, I just got to get done with it. I just got to get through the day, get to the end of the day when I finally get to sit down on my couch, crack open a beer and watch Netflix, right? Or watch some sports game or something like that, right? If that's the way you treat every day, well, then ultimately that becomes the way you treat your life, you know, and, and that's what happens to a lot of folks is that, you know, in my opinion, you know, we 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 spend our, our, our days, you know, as, as young people, you know, our, our 20s and 30s, we spend just sacrificing ourselves to our mission, you know, and most people's mission is, you know, just make as much money as we can, you know, and, and what happens then is that you get into your 40s and your 50s and your 60s and you look back and you say, oh my gosh, what did I do? I just wasted everything. I just I, I just wasted the whole thing. Fix the screen a little bit there. Uh, and so, sorry, that was bugging me. <laughs> for all you on the podcast, I just I just made a very simple uh, tweak to my camera angle, and it helps a lot for me. Thank you for uh, indulging me. Um, but but that's the thing, right? So so it becomes you know where you're looking back on your life when you know your body is broken from all the hard work and your your emotions are are a mess from all the the stress you know your your body you know your internal body like your your heart rate and your you know your blood pressure your arteries all that stuff has has taken the damage of of years of chronic stress you know maybe you're on some medications you know maybe you've been told by your doctor that you got to you know eat nothing but salads for the rest of your life, you know, things like that, you know, and, and you, you, you get to the point where you're looking back and you're saying, well, I don't have the power or the facilities to do anything more. And now I'm just looking back at my life and I'm just saying like, gosh, you know, <laughs> it's been such a waste. And that's how I felt, you know, I consider myself very lucky that I realized this when I was only 42 and I was able to lose a hundred pounds and I've been, I'm in better shape now than I've been in my whole life, you know? So, so, you know, if you, if you grab it when you're in your forties, yeah, I mean, you got plenty of time to fix it, but if you grab it in your sixties, I don't know. I don't know. Right. I mean, you know, what damage has been done in those other 20 years between 40 and 60 years old? You know, again, chronic stress is no joke. And for a lot of people, right, what happens is we stay in these careers and in that time when we're about 40, 45, things start taking a downturn, right? And then the new stress becomes, how do I survive until I'm 65? How do I keep this job so that I can retire, right? And then that causes even more stress in those last 20 years of your career, which creates more damage, which causes you to be on more medications and more medical, um, you know, uh, you know, issues that you're going to experience. 
And so I'm, I'm so I don't mean to be a bummer here. You know, it's not to bum you out. And if you're, you know, I mean, you know, I, I, no matter what age you are, I mean, it's definitely not too late. Like, you know, if you discover mindfulness and meditation when you're 60, I mean, do it. You know, it's not too late. It's just you're you're working with a you know a car that's got a lot of miles on it. You know, so there's only so much that you can. You know, you you know, most people in their 60s are not going to. You know, anyway, I don't want to get into the the whole prognosis or anything like that. I've heard stories of people in their 90s who have taken up meditation and mindfulness and, and changed themselves and had really beautiful years in the end of the year. So I'm not trying to be pessimistic here, and I hope you're not taking that this way. Um, but but the, the, real, the real thing that I wanted to mention is that is that what mindfulness does, and this is whether you're you're 30, you're 40, you're 50, 60, 90, doesn't matter, right? What what mindfulness and meditation are doing are are <clears throat> allowing us Instead of just, you know, instead of trying to survive the day, instead of just getting to the end of it, instead of just, you know, just crawling across that finish line, right? Every day, every week, every month, every quarter, every year, right? Instead of all that, when we practice mindfulness, you know, and heartfulness, compassion, right? What we're doing is we're, we're, we're allowing ourselves to dwell in the, in the richness of the present moment. And that, that's a really important concept, you know, and, and as you know, I don't, I don't approach this from a, uh, a purely spiritual or any kind of religious kind of, um, you know, approach. I, I, I do this with a, a very scientific approach, you know, that's my thing, right? And, and, and so, <clears throat> so the reason I say that is because, you know, the richness of the moment is a scientific concept, right it's a it's it's not just spiritual right the, the richness of the present moment what that means is that when we're when we're able to and we're when we commit to you know really attending to this richness of the present moment right when we when we're really there 100% with what's happening it opens us up to all kinds of of beauty in life Right. And one of these beauties in life are, you know, well, it's your relationships with people. Right. Like, you know, like when we can really dwell in the present moment and we're, we're what that means is that we're, we're letting go of all of the noise that, that's about like, oh, you know, what is all the stuff I got to get done, you know, this week? And and what are all my, you know, obligations and, and aspirations and, and pressure that I put on myself? We let go of all that stuff. It doesn't mean that we don't, you know, uh, attend to our obligations. In fact, we do it much more, much more effectively and much more efficiently. Right. But but it's not. You know, but it's not with this this like gripping fear that we do it. It's actually with an enthusiastic excitement that we do it. Just like I told you yesterday, doing this podcast every day. I mean, believe me, on a day like today, I, I could show you my calendar here, and I have you know basically meetings. Boom, 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 all day long, right? And in between the meetings, I gotta, I gotta run and make my kids lunch and come back down, make sure they got what they need, and come back down, do another meeting, <laughs> run back up. It's gonna be a very, very busy day and very, very, you know, difficult. It's, not, it's no, no question that it's difficult, you know. But at the same time, I'm excited about it. I'm enthusiastic about it because I'm not looking at it with this gripping fear. I'm not saying to myself at nine o'clock in the morning, how am I going to get through all this today, right? All I do is I attend and take care of 
right now. <laughs> and when I do that, it feels like it opens things up. It feels like I have more time. And I, and I noticed this a long time ago is that, you know, when, um, you know, I used to feel like, like, okay, well, if you have 15 minutes before you have to leave for somewhere, right? It's like, you're leaving. Like, there's no more time. <laughs> you know, 15 minutes is not anything, right? Like, it's you, you get out the door. But I realized that 15 minutes is a very long time now, right? Like, 15 minutes, there's a lot that you can get done in 15 minutes. And so, you, you know, so, so instead of, like, being anxious about, oh, my gosh, I got to leave at 3 o'clock, it's, it's 2.45, I'm, I'm panicked, right? Well, no, you don't have to leave until 3 o'clock. So you have time to, you know, record a video or, or, or make a phone call, send an email, have, have a conversation with your children. There's lots of time. And that's the thing that comes through in this practice is that time sort of opens up for us. It, it, it becomes more available to us. And that's mostly because we're we're stopping this right or we're letting go of this right and on the podcast I'm I'm doing the 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 wheels turning on the sides of my head because what what I mean is that you know when we're wrapped up in that like oh my gosh all this stuff I got to do uh next week and next month and and all that I have all this you know pressure 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 you know when we're when we're focused on that stuff and we're we're thinking about that stuff not only does it take a lot of energy to think about that stuff but it also takes a lot of time. And when it, you know, and, and that's why at the end of the day, we feel like, like, like for me, when I was living in the stress time, and as I just said, like 15 minutes before I had to leave somewhere, I was like, I better be at the door or else I'm late. You know, that's how I felt, which was, which is not true. Right. But, but, you know, one of the most common, one of the most prevalent feelings that I had throughout my whole life in that time when I was dealing with chronic stress was that I felt like I never had enough time for anything. Like I felt like I was always in a rush. Now, I mean, I've made some adjustments, but I still, again, I still have just as busy a schedule and now I have even more responsibilities because now I have two young children who are relying on me. I have a marriage. I have a house. I have a, a car. I have all this stuff, you know, like I still have all those pressures, but yet I don't feel like I have any hurry at all now. In fact, that's why my son bought me this, this mug for, uh, for my birthday this year, which is, says, don't hurry, be happy. And it comes with a little, um, uh, uh, little sloth, uh, which is a tea uh, steeping ball, you know? So you put your tea leaves in the sloth, sloth hangs on the, uh, on the side of the cup. But anyway, it's like, I didn't change, you know, like, like, it's not like I moved to another country. It's not like I, I, you know, I became some ascetic or, or, you know, I, I, I renounced all of my worldly, you know, belongings or, or obligations or anything. In fact, I went the other way. I mean, I took on more now, right? Because it used to be that I worked for someone else. So, you know, so, you know, you got paid, you know, even if you didn't perform one day or another, but, it, you know, I don't have the choice now to just sit in bed all day. Because <laughs> I have obligations to lots of different people out there who, who count on me and who rely on me. So if anything, my pressure has gotten more, but yet I feel like I have a lot more time now. And that's one of the, the most amazing things that happened during this practice. And so, and so what comes from that, right, what's born out of that space 
And this is really the exciting part. And this is what I wanted to really get into, right? It's not just that I feel less pressure. It's not just that I feel less of the damnings and stress. Remember, that's, that's why I started doing this, because there was something wrong with that. It was unhealthy. It was damaging me, right? But what's the beauty that comes from this, the beauty, the little flowers and plants that, that arise from this, this beautiful cultivated you know, soil of, of, of mindfulness is these wonderful hobbies that I've picked up. <laughs> and it's so gratifying. You know, having a hobby in your life, having something that is just, you know, something that you take care of on a regular basis, right? Which has nothing to do with anybody else except you and the thing that you're doing, right? It, it doesn't require anybody's, you know, inputs, you know, it might require some monetary things, but of course you're, you know, going to do a hobby that you can afford and all that, right? Um, but, but having something in your life that, that you can attend to, you know, regularly, that is just for you, just for the sheer pleasure of doing it, and just for the, the sheer interest of doing it. Well, number one, that's a very healthy thing for you to do. It's very healthy psychologically to do that. I mean, any psychologist, I have a couple of psychologists on my on my list here who are watching today or listening today, and I, I, I'm sure you would confirm that, that, that it's a healthy thing to have a hobby, right? Because it gives you something to gives you something to love. It gives you something to, to nurture. And that's a very positive thing, right? It's a creative thing. It's, it's, it's working out the parts of your brain that are, that are really, you know, that yearn for that sort of thing and that are very important to develop, right? Um, but it's also very satisfying just to, to look at what you've done. You know, that is just a real satisfaction to that. And so, so the hobbies that I've picked up are really kind of amazing. You know, I really love them. Um, about a year ago, year and a half, yeah, yeah, and there's about, so about six to nine months before the pandemic started. Okay. Now in my, before I left New York, I bought uh, two houseplants <laughs> and I managed to keep them alive for like six months or something like that. Those are the only two plants in my entire life that have survived my, my horrible black thumbs, you know, like, like literally I would kill house plants. Like you, you would have no idea. Right. But you see this guy back here, over here, over, it's so hard to do when it's reversed like this. There we go. That guy right there is, um, you know, that's just one of, I probably have, I think I counted like 40, 50 plants now that I have. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I, and I, I, I sit with them every day. I, I check in on them every day and I, and I, I feel their soil, how moist or how dry they are. I get, you know, they all have their own personalities. Like I know which ones, you know, don't like to be moved. I know which ones are okay and like flexible. You know, I have, I have a, a communication, a relationship with these plants and it is amazing. And they're thriving. I actually took one, uh, uh, somebody on a local, another thing that's really amazing is the community that you get through plants. Like there's, I think it exists in just about every city on Facebook. You have these house plant groups in every, in, you know, whatever city Denver has like four or five of them. And somebody, you know, I actually connected with somebody on one of these, uh, these house plant groups. Um, and I volunteered to, 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 uh, um, uh, rescue and rehab, 
her little monstera. And monstera is a, is a very beautiful plant. It, it's one of these plants that has these big leaves with holes in it, right? But they're notoriously a little difficult to handle. You know, they're not the worst, but they're certainly not the easiest, right? Like this one here... <laughs> This one here uh, is like, you know, when I went to the, the flowers, because I'm in the basement office, I have this little window, but don't really get much natural light in here. And so I went to the 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 plant store and I was like, you know, I need something that can survive. And she was like, she was like, yeah, this is a, a pothos, right? So <laughs> this will survive anything. Like anybody can keep this alive, right? Um, but I have some like this Monstera that that is, you know, much more finicky. And and I took this on as a rehab. Like who the heck am I, you know? I, a year ago, I couldn't even keep a plant alive. <laughs> but yet here I am. And the thing is thriving. I took over this plant. It was like all droopy. And one of the plants was, one of the leaves was dead. And I just, I put it in a new pot. I gave it some love. It's, it's all perked up and it has new growth coming out. It's so exciting. But it's not just that, right? It's also, you know, the other hobby that I've taken up. Um, a few weeks ago, my, my wife and I invested in a, a cast iron wok, and I've, you know, and, and over the last year, I have done so much more cooking than I ever have before. And cooking was always something that was very hard for me too. Remember when I'm living with stress, feeling like I don't have time, I don't have time to cook. Like, what are you talking about? And, and, and most of the time I was so distracted that I was burning stuff anyway and it didn't matter. Right. So it was all like, it was all a joke. Right? Like, yeah, I could, I could cook a but, uh, you know, a pot of pasta, you know, I could, uh, you know, grill up some, some burgers and dogs on the grill, that kind of stuff. I could do that kind of stuff, you know, drinking beer while I'm cooking. I mean, I don't do that anymore. It's a long time ago. Um, I don't eat meat anymore either, but, but, you know, but, but I've gotten into cooking. I make, I mean, I make breakfast burritos for my kids. I, I, you know, I, I, I make, um, what are some of the other things that I made until I got to the stir fry and the fried rice I was making, there was a couple other things that like some some crazy burritos I was making and some salads I've gotten so into making salads I can make you such a killer salad right now and it's delicious and it's filling and it's healthy and it's beautiful and all of this stuff was never even close to available to me before and so what I want to, I'm trying to tell you here today, right? This is the, the bottom line is that, is that no, and, and I'm sorry I got into that tangent about the age and stuff. If anybody out there is, is approaching their fifties and sixties, please don't worry. I'm 52 years old, right? And I don't feel 52. I don't look 52. Most people don't believe that I'm 52. So, so it's, it's not hopeless. I promise you that, right? I'm just talking about in the, in the sense of a, of an unexamined, you know, career, how it can end in a way that is, that is, you know, exhausting. You know, that, that's all I was trying to say with that, but, but please don't be too discouraged. Okay. Um, and, and, and just, just do the practices, you know, just, just, just wake up in the morning and, 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 and recognize that today is a day that is an opportunity to, to practice being a hundred percent here now. And when you do, you find that you'll have time and energy to do things that might have seemed just completely out of reach to you before. 
And so if you'd like to talk more about this at any age that you happen to be, <laughs> I would love to talk to you. Yes. Yesterday I was on the on a call with somebody uh, from the mailing list who's, uh, you know, in, in her college years and she's, you know, she's trying to figure out, you know, her path and everything. And it was just like, you know, she's coming out of a very toxic situation. So so, you know, this is somebody in the the you know, the the blossoming part of her life. And it was so beautiful to get to talk to somebody like that. But I also talk to people who are in their 60s, you know. And, and and 50s and and it's like it doesn't matter where you are you know to start this practice it's never too late and there's never a better time than right now in fact there's a quote that i really love and i believe this is a zen quote if i'm not mistaken uh that says the the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago the second best time to plant a tree is today all right, everybody. I wish you well. I'll be back in tomorrow. If you have any questions or you want to talk about this, I'll put the link in the comment to, to get in touch with me. And I hope to talk to you soon. Have a great day, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye.